Boker Tov, today's daf is daf Nun Hey in Bavakama, as we learn for Achenu Kol Beis Yisrael. We're at the last uh, couple of lines on Nun Dalaramit Beis. <laughs> we discussed yesterday about the uh, Aseris Adibros that in the first Aseris Adibros it just says Avdechav Amaschu Bemtecha, and the second one it says Shochav Achamechem. What's the limit from there? So we learned out all these ideas that um, applies to all kinds of animals. And the reason why it says Shavah Hamor is to teach us Xavier Shabbos to Prika and Chasima and Klayim, all from Shabbos. So now the Gemara, since we mentioned about the Aser Sidibus, the Gemara is going to bring an interesting, interesting dialogue. Shalav Chanina ben Agil, last line there on the page on Nun Dalana Beis. Shalav Chanina ben Agil es Ravchia Barabi. Yes, this question. The word Tov is not mentioned in the first Aser Sidibus. And in the second, it says Tov. Where does it say Tov? It says, Good for you. The word good, Tov, is not mentioned in the first Aserus but it is mentioned in the second one. Why is that? He asked them. So listen to this reply. <laughs> so he said to him, Omerlo, so the reply of this Amora, Rabchia Baraba, uh, said, you're asking me why it doesn't say it? I don't even know if, if it says it or not. You're asking me, you're asking me, why does it say Tov in the second one? Right? And in the first one, the first one, here it says, I don't even know if it says that. Ask me if that's the case. Now, this is, a, is an unbelievable statement. He says, you're asking me why it says Tov? I don't even know if it says Tov. What do you mean he doesn't know if it says Tov? Open up a Chumash. He doesn't know the Chumash. What's going on? I don't know. I don't know if it says there or not. So <laughs> before we have to stop here, because what's the, what's the um, you know, before the, the dialogue goes on and asks him if it says it, if it doesn't say What's what's going on over here? The Farshim all talk about this. In Baba Basra, there is a Tosa that says that sometimes they weren't Bikim in the Psukim. But that's a very difficult thing to say that they weren't, that the Tanoim and Marom were not Bikim in all the Chafdalit Sifre Kodesh, not only Chumish, Tanach, Mishnayis, they knew about that. How could they say that they didn't know that? So some want to say that he's not talking about whether it says in the Torah and the Pasik, Mayitavachal. Well, you know, we open up a Pasik, you open up a Pasik, and you'll see it says Mayitavachal. He's talking about was it engraved that way on the Dibros themselves, on the Aserus Dibros, right? This is part of the Aserus Dibros. How much was engraved there? That could be that he didn't know. That's how the Mephorshim uh, tried to explain this Gemara. So, he, so the dialogue went on. I don't even know if it says so. <laughs> let's assume on the second block, on the, the second. The uh, question is the integrity of the, the Right. There's no question about that. That's what he said. That's it. So Tos says there, it's not a question of the integrity. It's a question of his integrity. What does he know? In other words, the Sefer Dvarim, we know, is, is the, uh, has it in there. The question is, he wasn't sure either, you have to say, the simple shot is, he didn't know if it says it in the Sefer. He didn't remember the Pasuk Balpe, he didn't have a Chumash. But that's hard to explain. It's better to say, it's easier to say, let's say it's an easier answer to say, he didn't know if it was actually engraved in the Aserah Sefer The integrity of Sefer Dvarim they didn't misrepresent what was on the Luchas. Right, no, no, but there's no, but no, but not everything that's, uh, it could be that the Aserah Stibus we find in the Chumash is not exactly, and the Aserah Stibus themselves, it could be that it wasn't, not every word that
that was said. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about that. I, I don't. I thought you mean integrity, like it's it's not you know like if something's missing. You know, missing like uh, like we're missing it's something. You know. Right, uh, right, right, right. No, but I'm saying. No, but I'm talking about all the words, all the words that are in the in the Chumash. Maybe they, not all of them were written in the in the Sefer That's maybe what he's saying, but that's also not a simple answer. It's a difficult it's a difficult piece to say. So he says, I don't know if it's written in there or not. I'll tell you what you do. I don't know if it's written in there or not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you go to Rav why should I go to Because he was a student. He used to visit Rabbi Shuban Levi. Baki He knew the Agora, and presumably he would know if it was written. Interesting. He says Baki Bagara, not Baki in the Chumash. Baki the Agora to know what was actually engraved on the Aseres Dibras. Uh, he went to him. I haven't heard anything from Rabbi Levi. I haven't heard about that. This is what I heard from Shmuel Barnochem Achi Imo Shal Ravacha. The Brother of the mother of Ravacha, Ravacha's uncle, Ravacha Barabchanina, and some say, Amila Avi Imo Shel Ravachi Barabchanina. In other words, not uh, not the, but, but rather the grandfather of Ravachi Barabchanina. So the question really was is, it's not whether it was written there or not, because he says, I don't know if it was written there or not. So don't even ask me. I don't even know. But uh, assuming that that's correct, because the, the the one who posed the question of Chanina ben Nagil said, listen, in the first Aseret Dibbas, it doesn't say Tov, and the second one, it does. So he knew that it did. So he's asking him, and the question was, the question was, why in the first one doesn't it say it, and why in the second one does it say it? Why in the second Aseret Dibbas does it say it? And let's assume we're talking about the Aseret Dibbas themselves, not what's written in the Chumash, in, in the Chumash Vashanan. So to, to that, so he says, I don't even know, don't ask me anything, because I don't even know if it's in there or not. If you want an answer, if you know that it's written in the second one, and it's not written in the first one, ask these people because they know. So he went, go to Avtachloi, he said to Yeshua, he went to him, he said, I didn't hear from Shubalevi, but I heard from this other Rav Shmuel Bar Nachum, who's either the uncle of Rav Achav or the grandfather of Achib Rav Here's his explanation. Do you know why in the first ones it doesn't say Tov Hov Because they're going to be broken. The first Aseris this makes sense, right? That we're talking about the Aseris we're not talking about what's written in the Chumash, um, because they're going to be broken, so we don't want to have the word Tov there. So what? So what? They're going to be broken. Why couldn't you have the word Tov there? Because if the word Tov or Yitav or a form of Tov is written in the Aseris Divas and they were broken, it's as if to say that there'll be no more good, that like we're, we're destined to have only bad, nothing good. That's what he said because it'll be uh, it'll it'll be a bad a, a, a bad sign if you take the word tov and you break it. Uh, Moshe was going to break it. Be a bad sign for Israel. I'm sure. Haroa. So we're talking about these ideas of the letters and breaking them. And I'm sure it says so, so the, the loop of Shneos would yeah. have the word tov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're basically we're saying that they were not identical. They were not identical. For sure, they weren't identical because Right. They certainly weren't identical. But he says. And, and he takes that as a given. He knows that the first one didn't. So according to the questioner, the questioner knew that the Luchos, second Luchos had Tov. Uh, when he answered him, Rav Chia uh, Baraba did not know. Rav Chia Baraba did not know. He says, I don't know what's written in there or not. So I can't even answer the question. But ask them. If you know that that's a valid question, ask them. And the answer was that we didn't want to destroy the word Tov. So the first one and as Hashem knew that the first one wasn't good, it was going to be eventually destroyed by Moshe, he was going to break them. 
and therefore you didn't want to destroy the word tov. I'm Rabbi Shua. Roa test If you have a dream and you see the letter tes, uh It's a good sign because tes stands for tova, right? Uh, tes tes is like tov, so uh, it's a good sign. This is my time. Maybe we should tov because the letter tes is in the word tov. The, the letter tes is also in some other words that are not so tov. Ema pasuk says in Yeshaya v'tatzeik matay hashmad. The, it was like the broom, like the broom of destruction. Like mata, we know, matates in in Hebrew is a, you know is is a a broom. Uh, so here at matate uh, hashmad is not a good line. So maybe how do you know the test refer in your dream refers to tov? Maybe it refers to a, a destructive broom. It says chad test coming. We're talking about it has one test. Matate or form of tatase has two tests. Okay, you want to learn one test. I'll show you another pasuk, that, another word that has the word test, which is not tov. Tumah say b'shulah her tumah necha talks about Yishlaim etc. the tumah was in her skirts, meaning so the word test could also refer to tumah. So test base come in. I'm saying no, no, not if you just see the letter test. I'm saying if you see the word test, the letter test and the letter base, that's tov. Ema tavu baaris shareh. I'll show you a test of the base, which is also not so good, where it says the its gates were sunken into the ground. Ella, it's also an EO, right? Ella The first time that there's a test in the Chumash is in the word tov. The word the letter test with bays, the first time that the letter test is found, not necessarily base, but first letter in the first word letter in the Torah is bracious. But the word the first time you have a test followed by a base, that's in the in the first. So that's a good sign. The whole apostle from the word bracious ad There's no test there. The first time that a test is exposed in the chumash is with the word tov. So that's a good sign. If you see the letter test, that's a good sign. The word hesped eulogy in your dream for some sake because it's hesped is like chas. Rachmanus, he had mercy. Padu, upadu, that's like Mor says. Mor says, They had Rachmanus on him and he was redeemed from whatever evil decree was meant to befall him. And Hanimil, it's only if it's written down. You see the word, that's a good sign for you. So if you see the letter Tess and Bays in your dreams, I don't know if you've ever seen that in your dreams, but if you ever see the letter Tess and Bays in your dreams, or you see Hesped, that's, that's a good sign. So we said not only all animals are included in the uh, all these halachas uh, of uh, damages, etc., of shor bor mavhev, etc. All the rules don't only apply to shor and chamor. Shor and chamor is the usual animals that are involved in destruction and falling, etc., and all the things that people use. People use uh, oxen and uh, donkeys regularly in their work. Uh, so that's why we mentioned them. Not only that, the mission said Chayav also even wild animals and birds also. Amar Shlakish, Kanshan Rebbe, Rebbe learned from over here that all these rules. Remember, we said that it applies not only to damages; it applies also to preka unloading, chasima, muslin kliyim, mixing breeds. So he says it refers to birds also. That shows you that Tarnagol Tavasupision. If you have a rooster and a peacock and a pheasant. Climbs up and said, These are different species, and you can't mix breed them. It's forbidden to mix breed them, uh, to mate them. Isn't it obvious that the different breeds? He says, No, since they are reared together, and uh, Farshim explained that some 
sit on the eggs of the other ones. In other words, they 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 put them in the same area. They 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 grow up together. Because since they grow up together, it's like one species, different variations of the same species, and it's not climb. No, that it is climb. If you have a, a goose and a wild goose, climbs even though they're both called goose, but a goose and a wild goose are not the same. And therefore, you're over on mixed breeding, over on the issue of climb, if you mix breed them. What's the reason? I mean, I don't know, um, I, I skipped animal husbandry in college, but I don't know if these uh, animals or birds actually mix breed on their own. Presumably, they don't. You know, presumably, everybody, you know, you don't find horses going around, you know, when they make a mule right, with a donkey and a horse, that's because because uh, a farmer did it. You know, he, he put them together. I don't think they do that on their own. I would assume they don't, right? They probably don't do it on their own. Who knows? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe there are cases. I don't, I'm just curious about that. But he says, if, a, if you take a goose and a wild goose and you breed them, that's forbidden. What's the reason why you say that a goose and a wild goose are considered two different species for Harbaut? If it's because one has a long beak and one has a small beak, if you have a Persian camel, the Gamla Taya, and an Arabian camel, the high olam kavi one has a thick neck, the high cotton cotton, and one has a thinner neck. And we know that's not the case. Camels are camels; they can breed together. This gets into a whole question about all the things that we have today. For example, uh, a llama. I happen to know a little bit about the llamas because we were uh, some cousin was married to a guy who raised llamas for the army, and uh, the llamas are an unbelievable. Uh, kind of uh, animal because they are very clean. They take care of their own refuse. And um, they, they're they able to, when the soldiers have to go up on mountains, they're able to take tremendous loads on their back. The soldiers can't schlep it. If they start schlepping it after 10 minutes, they'll fall down. The llamas are able to do it. They're able to climb. And they're very like domesticated. You could take them on a helicopter. They once tried to take like a donkey on a helicopter and the donkey went wild and destroyed the helicopter. But these llamas are unbelievable. And he trains them for the army. He's got a whole unit in the army. I think he passed away already since then. But anyway, so I was wondering, which where does it say llama in the Torah? I mean, these are animals, right? These are, you know, they're, they're amazing animals. If he, I think he gets them from, I forget which country, in South America. He They import them from South America, some plant. And he trains, pardon? From Peru. And he, he trains them. And, and, and they're unbelievable. They're able to, you know, there's a whole unit in the army for when they had the mountain unit, whatever it is, and they're able, they're very, and, and you, they could stay with the soldiers and they don't make a mess. You know, they take care of their own, amazing animals and they go for long periods without eating. They're just a very, so I, I don't find, I, I think I checked into once, where is it written in the Torah about llamas? They're obviously, there must be in the camel family. So here you see also like an Arabian camel and a, and a, a Persian camel, they're not considered mixed breed. Maybe they're also not climb. Who knows? I mean, you have to really know these things. El Amr so Abaye says, what's the reason? So what's the reason why geese, uh, they're wild geese and, and non-wild geese, why are they considered client? Just because one has a longer beak and one has a, a, a shorter beak, uh, that shouldn't be a difference. There are all kinds of different, you know, sight variations and different kinds of animals. That doesn't make them client, as we see by the case of the camels. Elmer Abaye, on one of them, you could see presumably the wild one, his testicles are discernible from the outside. 
Whereas the other one, uh, the testicles are only, you can't see them from the, from the outside, from, a, from an outside examination. You can't, they're not discernible. So because of that, they're considered different species. In the female version of these geese, one drops one egg uh, by the ovaries and at, b- before uh, getting pregnant. There's a different, and, and one drops several eggs. So there's a different way, there are different ways in which they uh, they procreate, etc. And interesting that the way they procreate is the way, uh, the way they breed has a bigger effect on uh, this uh, on calling them two different species than just the way they look. You know, it's not because the one is a bigger, longer beak, one is a shorter beak. It's the way they breed, which uh, which uh, makes them different. Pardon? Talking about the ducks, the cow, the geese, the geese, the geese, yeah. So the wild geese, first thing is. We said camels are not. Pardon? Apparently they can. They, no, oh no, no, no! That they can, we know. Otherwise, there wouldn't be an issue. The issue is, do they do it on their own without a human intervention? That's what I was trying to say. In other words, we're saying we have a for, we're forbidden to do this, right? So we know that farmers, uh, whatever Goyim, assume Jews, maybe also did at one time. They made mules. Why do they make a mule? The mule can't, you know, can't have other children. The reason they make mules because it's very strong, right? Wasn't the 20, 20 team Bora team uh, mule, whatever, right? Right? The mules are strong. You know, mules are, you know, mules, that's why they make it. Why don't they just use a horse or a donkey? Because they want the, somehow the mule has, has greater strength. So there's a reason why farmers and, uh, you know, breeders did this stuff. But I'm asking, would they do it on their own? Presumably, if they're different species, they wouldn't mix breed on their own without human intervention. That's what I was saying. What about two species in the sea, right? Uh, would, if you're also, also loca. You also get mocked in my time. It says mineo by by fish, and it says mineo by animals. Okay, so here's an interesting thing. So we're saying that mixed breeding that the Torah forbids is not only of animals, uh, not only of animals, uh, but it's also of um, of fish, right, or sea creatures of any sort. Boy, roughly, here's a question: Amanik Shibut is a kind of a fish, right? and Iza is a goat. What happens now? We also know that you're not allowed to uh, to uh, lo, lo, um, you're not allowed to losachrosh b'shor uvechamor yachtav. Yesterday we learned that it's not only shor b'chamor; it's any two different kinds. You can't use a dog and a and a donkey, you know, to to uh, plow together. You can't put them under the same yoke. What about if one was a fish? Now you say, <laughs> how did the fish work? The answer is you were on the seashore, or you had some you know, some plants right near the seashore and you had a, uh, you had a reins or a yoke or whatever. And somehow you had some contraption, which helped the, you had a big fish pulling together with a goat. The goat was on dry land. The fish was in the, in the sea or the ocean, whatever. And together they were pulling the plow. Would you be over on the lot there? So he asked this question a- again, boy, Rafa Hamani, you were knowing again, you, you did, let's say you were plowing or doing some, uh, you know, farm work. Since the goat can't go into the ocean, to the sea. And the fish can't go into the Asha. He didn't do anything. There's nothing because they're not doing it together. The fact is, together, they're pushing They're pushing the plow. You got a big fish here, properly trained, and you you did it if you know how to do it. Maybe talk about a whale or or think of a um, a dolphin. You know, maybe you can, you can figure some caption. It's a, it's 
not so theoretical. It is pretty theoretical, but it's possible. And if you set it up, would you be over for for Sachs Hashem? Masker Vina. So he asked this question. Masker Vina asked this question. El Meata, Chiberchita, Vesoda, Biado. No, you're not allowed to mix different species of grains. So let's say you had a, a barley grain and a wheat grain in one hand, a vizarachita ba'aretz, and you, this is assuming that two is enough. Sometimes you need three with a, with a grape kernel, whatever. But assuming you took these two, and vizarachita ba'aretz, and you planted the uh, the wheat seed in Eretz Yisrael, so you're right on the border. And you did them on the border, but one was just this side of the border, one was on that side of the border. We say you're chayiv. There are two different sides of the border. So here also, since there are two different places, you can't consider them together. I mean, how could you say that? How can you compare? Hasam, Eretz, Eretz, There, if you planted it in Chutzlar, there's no chiv there. So you didn't plant two seeds together in Eretz Yisrael. What do you mean there's no chiv there? Rashi says that Klein B'chutzlar, Lo Noga, is not Noag, the mitzvah satuya ba'aretzi, b'chalchol v'skarka, e'n Noag al-baretz menatora. Menatora, Anything that's related to the land is only in Eretz Yisrael. Not now. We know that Klaim and other things are also bechutzos midarabanan, but Minatora Rashi tells us that Klaim is only also in Eretz Yisrael. So here he didn't do Klaim in Eretz Yisrael. You had one of the seeds was in Chutzlar. It's one of the seeds was in Eretz Yisrael. But over here, the chiyuv of of um, leading animals together, either plowing or whatever you did with them, leading them together under one yoke or under one uh, contraption. That doesn't make any difference if it's an Eretz or in Chutzlaras. So here it's a valid question. What about a fish and a goat? You would be chayv in a case like that. Okay. So that ends the fifth parak. And now we begin the sixth parak, which I think is the first Gemara that I ever learned when I was a kid. A lot of places start with that or start with Elam and It's one of the first things you learn. What's going on over here? So first of all, pay attention that over here we're talking about psalm sheep or goats we're not talking about shore everything you told me was shore right shore more of whatever the the fourth parak was called shore the hey the fifth parak that we just finished was called shore talk about cows till now cows and bulls all of a sudden we're switching to sheep and we'll see because sheep don't gore they don't have horns to gore right their damage is done by eating or trampling pardon yeah. Rams does, the ram does, but right, that's true. The ram can if he has a horn to go on. But let's say sh- other, let's say goats or or uh, females or young sheep, lambs that don't have one. That's 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 what we're talking about over here. Because he not not that you can't have one. If you would have one, if you could gore, yeah, that would that would apply. But here we're talking about uh, only sheep. Meaning, well, how are sheep different than? Why do all of a sudden we're not talking about shore? The Gemara is going to use that as, a, as, a, as an example. Yeah. Gonna say, why was then we stop talking about shore? Because here we're not talking about the damage done with the corn. We're talking about damage done by eating or trampling. By their hooves. By their hooves, by trampling, that they could do, just like shore. But it, it, in other words, what's unique about the sh- about the zone is that, the, is that the, their main damage is done by eating, because they normally don't damage by goring, even though you could have animals that do gore. But the, the idea of, of tzom, that's why he talked about tzom, because here we're not talking about damaging by goring. We're talking about damaging by eating or by trampling. So what happened to me is, I come to some of the deer. You locked up your, your tzom in the pen, in the shed, or the barn, whatever, and you properly locked the door. We'll see what that means properly. The still the animals got out, despite your precaution. 
Potter, you're 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 Potter. Potter, also, of course, you have to make every precaution, but you're Potter from damaging. You're Potter from paying for the damage. Slow another right. If you didn't like it properly, else is you're high. Obviously, it's your fault. And the the animals got out. Um, you know that's what you do. If but no, if you locked it up properly, what else should you have done? That's good enough in your Potter. Nifrit's a balayla. Let's say the animals broke out or the door broke at night when you weren't even there. Osha Pratso listen or armed bandits broke the door down, the yachts, and they went out and they did damage and your potter. Now what's the chiddush in that? And obviously if you had a, if you, if the, if the beginning of the mission said, if you locked it up properly, a potter, so certainly if it broke up at night, the chiddush is, we'll see that even if you, if it broke, if the, if the, if they broke up at night, but let's say it broke during the day, let's say the gate broke down during the day and, and you had enough time, you could have noticed it, you should have locked them up, then you would be fired. The point is, is that if you took the precautions, the minimals, we'll see minimal precautions necessary, you locked it up, that's good enough. And if you couldn't have known about it because it broke down at night, you're certainly a potter. Hotsia listem, let's say listem broke it down and they let the animals out. Listem chayam, they're chayam for the damage that was done, you're not chayam. Let's say, even though you locked it up properly, but you locked them up like in an outdoor pen, you know, like uh, not, well, there wasn't a cover there, and the sun, the animals were stuck in the sun, and that uh, caused them tremendous discomfort. They were trying to get out of there. That's your fault. You shouldn't have left them out in the sun. Then if they, if you left them out in the sun and they broke out, that's your fault. Or you didn't guard them properly. You handed them over to some irresponsible people. If you gave it over to a shepherd, then the roa takes the place. We'll see. What this is talking about, because we already had that that Gemara before. If you gave it to a roa, he take that he's responsible. A shomer gave it to a, to a, you gave it to a, somebody else to watch. The other person's responsible. Whether it's a shomer chinam, shomer socher, shoel uh, socher, they're responsible. We already had that. So the chiddush is going to be that even if the shomer gave it to another shomer, because it's normal that shomerim, you know, share different. They they, they watch different herds together, and they sometimes subcontract it out to another shomer. That's okay. So that's the Kiddush is that Masru Laroa and Nikhnasarotahta the Roa takes his place. That's that we'll talk about that in the Gemara. Nafalagina, let's say your animal was walking along. You're again, we're talking about sheep now, Sonodir. Uh and he fell either from Mushasarabam, we'll see, or from your roof. He fell, he slipped and fell by accident into a garden that was below. Bananas and he ate something there. That's the Nanas, the animal ate some food there. Mishlam Sashanas. Because it was an accident, the animal didn't go in at your, uh, you know, with, with your prodding, or you didn't lead him in there. You only have to pay what you what what you gained by not feeding him. In other words, if he ate some expensive uh, fruits, you only have to pay what you have normally given him, some animal uh, fodder, or whatever. You only have to pay that. That's because you because that's the uh, you didn't intend to do damage, and it was an accident. So he only pays for what the mazik. Uh, gain by not feeding him, by not feeding him lunch. Yarda Kadaka, but let's say the animal just walked into somebody else's field, or somebody else's orchard. In other words, you didn't guard him and you let him go in there. Vizika, then you have to pay the full damages, the damages of what the, whatever the animal ate. How do you figure it out? So you don't just say, okay, he ate, let's say, um, uh, three kilo of apples, you pay for three kilos. No, you figure out what the whole field was worth before and what it's worth now. And then the loss is less. It's a smaller loss, and the mosque doesn't have to pay as much. Uh, shaman base saw, you figure out how much a base saw that's like 2,500 square amos. That's a, the, the amount uh, a saw is what you could, uh, a saw of seed 
will be enough to plant in 2,500 square amas. Bosa saw it in that field. How much it was worth before and how much it's worth now. In other words, if you look at a whole big field, a large field, uh, and what is that worth? What? How much? He took only a few, a few tomatoes or a few uh, apples out of there. The loss is much smaller because when you're buying a whole field, you, you don't look at a, uh, one row or, or a few fruits. Shimon Omar, Paris, it depends. If he ate completed Paris, Mishlam is Paris, you got to pay for the full Paris, whatever they're worth on the market. Im saw, saw, im sasai, im sasai, whatever, whatever as, as much as he ate up. If he ate up a saw, you pay for saw. If you pay, ate two saw, you pay for two saw. But if if he ate, the only time that you look at the whole field, what it's worth before and what it's worth now, is only if the <coughs> the fruits or the vegetables there were uh, were not totally ripened. But if they were ripened, you pay the full market value of the fruits. Tanarabanan says a lot. Uh, Mishnah had a lot of things over here. Let's deal with them. Tanarabanan. Ezo karav ezo shlokav. First Mishnah says I can't sell the dear if you locked it up properly. What is what is properly? You locked it with a door. You close the door. A door that can withstand the normal wind. That's zeukaroy. That's what's proper. If it can't stand up in a normal wind, a little regular wind, it's going to blow down. That's not karoy. You didn't do it properly, and therefore you're responsible for damages. Now we're going into, we, we had a shala before, we discussed that last week, two weeks ago, about what shmirah is necessary. What, how, much, how, much, how much precaution did you have to take at guarding your animals? So Manish says, who is the author over here that says that a mu'ed, again, a mu'ed, why? Because we learned before that the damage that its own does, that, that any animal, a shore also, by eating or trampling, he's a mu'ed for that. A shore is not a mu'ed for goring, for, for intentionally uh, pushing or goring another, another animal or a person or any other or anything else. But for eating and for walking, an animal's a mu'ed for that. That's what they normally do. So who is the author that a mu'ed is not shmir b'chusa, even a small a small, uh, a, uh, the precaution that you took was a minimal precaution, right? Because that's what we say over here. As long as you've blocked it enough for a normal wind, that's good enough. If an abnormal wind came and knocked it down, that's not your fault, right? You're, you, you, you're not, if it broke down at night, you didn't see it, not your fault. Who is the author of this idea that a mu'e is enough, enough, enough to, to um, absolve you of responsibility? It's enough if you had even a minimal precaution. Rabiudas Rabiuda did tonight. We had this machlok before. Koshubala Moseo. There we talked about a shore. If the owner tied him up with his uh, reins or whatever with the uh, with a strap, Vinola front of Karoy, and he locked the door properly, Biyatsavazik, Echatam Bachadmur Chayev Div Rameir. Rameir says you're Chayev either way. Either for time, even though you're not with a proper precaution, it's not enough. Just a minimal precaution is not enough. You, you're responsible. You should have put a bigger guard there. You should have put an iron gate with a double lock. Why is Muay Potter? It sounds the other way around. It should be the other way around. We had that before. By Muay, it says, if and he didn't guard him, this is guard, it's good enough. So Buddha says, when it comes to a Muay, even a minimal guarding is good enough. A Tom, minimal guarding is not good enough. Of course, it's only Chayev, anyway, but you need a better guarding. It's just, it goes against the logic. Logic would say that a Muay, you need a stronger guard. Uh, Tom the other way around, but the Rebutus says no. He looked at the Pusik, Pusik by Tom, you're Chayev either way, whether you had a good guard or a minimal guard. Mui, you're only Chayev if you had a, um, if you didn't have a minimal guard. But a Mui Potashem, even a minimal guard is good enough. Who's the one who says that what? That Shmir Plus is good enough? That's Rebutus who says by Mui, it says Shalevi Shmerabalab. Bishamar was that. Blazomer, Amo Shmir, Lasakin, right? Michael, you remember that? 
the only shmir, there is no guarding. You can't guard it. The only way is to, is, is to keep it away with a knife. If you know, either kill it or, or keep it away with a knife. If you didn't do that, and there's any damage that he does, uh, you're, you're responsible for it. You can't guard this animal. You have to just keep it away. So the Chara, who does a mission go like Rekabuta, who says that a muay, a minimal guard is good enough. A proper guard there. As long as it can withstand a regular wind, minimal, that's good enough. It can even go like a mayor. Why? A mayor is the one who said that what? That a that with a minimal guard, right? You locked it up. It's not good enough. A minimal guard isn't good enough. Over here, it can even go like a mayor. Why? Shiny Shane Borrego. It's different over here with the damage. There you're talking about a bull, let's say, getting out of the, his harness and running away and doing damage uh, with, with goring or whatever. When it comes to Shane Borrego, the damage done by the tooth or by the foot, uh, which the Torah, the Torah said specifically, you don't need too much of a guard. If it comes, a minimal guard is good enough for there. So it could even go like Remeyer. Why Remeyer was talking about a shore over there, damage done by Karen. Here we're talking about Shane Borrego. And there are minimal guards. Even Remeyer's motor that it's good enough. That's what the Gemara says over here now. I feel Tim Rameir, because a minimal guard for Shane Vrego, minimal guard is good enough. Amra Blazer. Some brothers said, Ramel of Masis, some said, was learned under Brice. Abadvar, Matora, Mia, Tabishwas. There are four things that the Torah says you don't need a good guard. A minimal guard is good enough. Not like Karen. What are these things? Elohena, Bor, the Aish, Shane Vrego. These four damagers, damagers, uh, a minimal guard is good enough. How do we know? Bor, because it says, Kiev, Tahish, Bor, O Kiev, But Pasik says, if you open a bore, or you dig a bore, uh, you don't cover it up. If you just covered it up, that's good enough. That's a minimal covering. You didn't guard it and post, uh, you know, build a, um, a brick wall around it. As long as you cover it, that's good enough. A minimal guard is good enough. The one who burns it down has to pay. In other words, if you light a fire and it goes somewhere else, you're high when until you actually burn it, but it actually like light the fire right on the uh, dish, right on the uh, barn or the uh, pile or the stack, whatever, unless you, you're not high unless you actually lit it directly. But if it was indirect, you lit it over here and you, you kept the fire a little bit away and then the fire spread, you're not responsible because it says, it says, you're not responsible if you actually literally lit it directly. If you went and you took it there directly, says and he, he sent the animal there directly. So it's like it's if you if you actually sent him over there. But if you had any, if you guarded it in any way, you took some precaution. That's good enough. Actually, you actually sent it with your hands. You sent him directly again. All these psukim indicate that the chiv is only when you did it directly, but if you had some precaution there, you'd be butter. Vitanya, what is Vashilch? Shilch is a regal. Shilch refers to regal. We had that back in the first parak. Ubir is a Beer means if you destroy, right? Like the tooth and uh, destroys until completion. In other words, it eats it all up. So what do you see over here? That shame the regal. Or only chayev if you literally took the animal in there, sent him in there directly with your hands. But if you had any minimal precaution, uh, your your potter time it all became the shilach ubir. You actually sent him in there. You you took him in there. You sent him in there. Hello, hello, you didn't do that. You be potter. So therefore, you see over here that it could be that our mission could even go like a mayor who says normally by shore a minimal shmir is not good enough. 
But when it comes to shame Varegel, because the Torah said specifically, bore a shame Varegel, a minimal guard is good enough. You see from our mission also that we could be talking about a minimal guard is good enough because our mission can go like a mayor. How do we see that? The Tony Again, remember I said it's uh, the mission says so. Michti Bishorsky, that we've been talking about since the beginning of the Mesech, we talk about shore. Every parak, every, every case is a shore of a chamor. Right. But that's what we've been talking about all along. Michti Bishorsky and Vasi, Nisli Shore, why not talk about a shore? My shore, the Kanit Son, Babishim, the Torah, me at the Bishmirosan, to tell you that it's different with the Son. Son is good enough just to have a mineral share. And Labishim, the Khan, Karen Loksiva, but it doesn't talk about Karen. When uh, we're not talking about the uh, the the um, iser or the uh, damage done by Karen, even though you're right that a ram could have a horn and do damage, but we're not talking about the Shum, the Khan Karen Loksiva, but shame regular siba, because the Pusik says the Pusik when it talks about um a uh, um a sh- you know we, we, if you talk about a shore uh I'm sure shom talking about goring there, it talks about a shore. When it talks here about Shane Varego, it says, Kiaver ish sado karam. The Shilach has biro, he sent his animal. He sent his animal, it didn't say shore. Will be ever stay here and he damaged somebody else, made the same sham. So that's what we're talking about. This Pasik is what we talk about. The Shilach has biro, beer. We're talking about Shane Varego in this Pasik. No, it's not just that the, that the Mishnah is talking about that. But he says, the Mishnah says, Son. Uh, we talk about shore till now. Why not? Why talk about son? Bishum the Torah, me at the Bishmirasam. And as we saw from the Pesukim, and Lamishim the Khan Karen Loksiva, it doesn't say in the Pesuk Karen when it talks about Shem Bregel. Shem Bregel Rosivet, the Kamashman and Shem Bregel and Muadn, they are Muadn for uh, for the damage that they do. They are Muad Mitchila and Shmaminos. So since you use the word Son and not Shem and not the uh, and not the uh, Shore, so we're talking about the damage done by Shem Bregel. Shem Bregel is a, a less of a less of a requirement for precautions, and therefore the mission could even go like Rameir. Tanya or Bishua. There are four things that if you do these things, listen carefully, you're really you're not responsible in a in a, uh, a human court, but you're high in the heavenly court, you'll be held responsible. What are these? You break down your neighbor's fence or wall so that his animal went out and did damage. The animal went away and did damage. That's unfortunate on the side of it. It did damage. We'll see why now I'm talking about doing damage. So if you break down the wall and the animal went out and did damage, you're, 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 you're technically you're responsible in a shemaim. But we can't hold you to heavenly court because it wasn't your animal. You didn't take the animal out, uh, et cetera. You just indirectly caused the animal to do damage. We're just going to analyze each of these cases. Let's say you had some stalk, that your neighbor had some stalks. They're tall, very tall. And you bent them over and then they were consumed by fire. Because you bent them over, the fire hit them. Had you not done that, the fire wouldn't have hit them. But you bent them over. Also, you're not responsible directly in a in a, in a regular court here. We'll see why. But then a shemayim, you're a shemayim. Let's say you hire false witnesses to testify against somebody. Now, aren't you chayiv over there? We'll see. You hired false witnesses to testify. You're a part of the I'm a chayiv why is that? The will explain all these. Let's say you can testify on behalf of somebody and you don't. Uh, isn't that an issue in the Torah? It says, says that, right? You're supposed to be. You're supposed to. But again, Rabbi Shua says that the, this is the fourth thing that you're not chayiv b'dinei odom, but you're only chayiv b'dinei shemayim. So now the is going to analyze them. Omar Mar. 
if you if you knock down the fence or knock down a wall so that your neighbors, uh, your associate, whatever, your friends, um, animal went out and did damage, right? What's the case over here? Because we're talking about a regular strong wall. You should at least be high for knocking on the wall. If you go and break somebody's wall down, you take a sledgehammer and knock down their wall, it's like you took it to their car. What are you going to tell? You did the damage yourself. You did damage. Of course, you should be high. Like Rashi says, Mia Akoso. Even because of the bar, be the Namichai. Mia, they used to be high for the Koso, to be a dime of it. And we like to remember the Chayev, the Nampatsu, listen, Pato. Okay. So you want to say that um, uh, the, the, the owner is anyway not responsible for damage that his animal did out there. It was, you broke down the fence. The animal went out and did damage. The owner's not responsible because it's like we said, but so we'll list them. They're high, right? If they knocked it down. But over here, you should be high of at least for the wall, if nothing else. Now, if the animals, I mean, like the name the tan partsua list them potter. Now, and now, what do we mean by that? So the gross is never, you know, this In other words, if if the animal went out, if you knocked down the wall, so number one, you should be high for the wall. And if the animal went out and did damage, you should be high for that too. The mission said if it list knock it down, the listener should be high, right? That would be if the if the if the animals went out and did damage. If the if you just if you just uh, caused the animals to run away and they didn't do damage, okay, so maybe uh you indirectly caused the loss to the uh to the owner or not. You know, we don't know. Maybe that maybe but at least on the wall you should be high if you knock it down. Ella, because we're talking about a wall that was about to fall down anyway. It was a dangerous wall that was about to fall down. So you took the law into your own hands and you knocked down the wall. There's no loss because the wall wasn't worth anything anyway. However, the animal ran away. And if the animal did damage, uh, then maybe you would be responsible there. Maybe you're not talking about the animal did damage. Okay, fine. But the point is, you're only for what? So what are you for? Presumably for the for the loss of the animal, right? So there's no loss on the wall, but there was a loss of the animal. What about the second case? If you uh, bend over uh, somebody's tree or somebody's stalks, and if they like, and then a fire took hold of them. So they're also your If there's a fire coming along and you knocked it over, you bent over the, the stalks so that the fire and a regular wind is going to come and consume them. So so you actually did it directly, right? But like you knocked it over. But like when you when you bent it over the fire, which was on its way coming here in a regular wind. You should be high for that. The answer is, is that he bent it over and he couldn't anticipate that the wind would bring it here. Normally, the wind wouldn't bring it here. The fire wouldn't have reached this uh, these stalks even after you bent them down. But an abnormal wind came. So because of that, you're not really high in any autumn because you couldn't have anticipated that. But still, had it not been for your action, these stalks would not have uh, been consumed by fire. Ravashi Omar, Tominit Mar. We're not talking about, uh, we're not talking about a case where it was a Ruch or not. That was he bent them over so that you couldn't see them under the stalks. And Aish is not high on Tamun, as we learned before. If it's hidden underneath, if you set a fire and somebody had cash underneath the stalk, you're high for the stalk, but not for the cash, you couldn't see the cash. So what happened here is you're high because you made this into Tamun. So you made it Tamun Beish. You didn't really, you were just hiding his stuff. You didn't want him to see the stalks. And for whatever reason, you stuck it under something else, under a pile of dirt or a pile of sand or something like that. And therefore your damage is indirect, right? And then the fire came and the fire consumed it. But uh, the person who, 
to spread the fire is not higher because it was tumor. It's not high for that. So the, the Nizik won't be able to collect in Besden because it was tumor. But you were the one who made it tumor. That's indirect. And therefore, you're higher. You're what about Omar Mara Socher Eri Sheker? If you hire false witnesses. Now, hey, Chidam, again, Elaine, you're talking about false witnesses to testify against somebody else that he owes you money? In other words, that, that's really you took away the guy's money. So Mamona boy, you gotta you, you gotta pay him back. You you hired false witnesses to say that this guy owes you hundred dollars. So he paid you hundred dollars, you gotta give him his money back. So what do you mean your partnership? With the He hired false witnesses where the, the, the man who did the hiring had no personal gain himself. He only caused an indirect damage to the other person. So your uh, my skin, what do you mean? You know some you know testimony for somebody and you don't testify on his behalf. What are you speaking of? If you were one of two witnesses, she did the rice that's the possible. If you don't testify, you will carry your sin. God knows that you know the testimony and you're, you're going to be punished by Shem. The answer is speaking about you're the only witness. And with the only witness, what can you do? You could be Machai of the other guy, a shvua, right? You can't testify. I say I'm the only witness, right? And I know, I, I could testify that Reuben owes Shimon $100, and I don't testify. Well, if I would testify, Reuben wouldn't have to pay the money anyway. All it could do is, it could make Shimon, uh, or Reuben would have to swear that he doesn't owe him the money. That's what I could do. But maybe he would swear. Maybe he would swear, and he wouldn't have to pay. So so we don't know exactly what would happen, right? So Zimla, get right? So, El Abachach, Machai Vashvua. We did a Shemai Machai, the Abimasid. Maybe if you would have testified, maybe you wouldn't have swore falsely, maybe you would have paid, but maybe you wouldn't have. So therefore, your chayiv only began a shemaim and not began a yarim. Are there any other cases where your chayiv began a shemaim and not chayiv began a yarim? The sulek, are there other ones? Tomorrow's more, we'll continue with this discussion. Have a good day. Beautiful. Thank you.